Hi, everyone. It's Pleasance. Welcome back to the Lola Community Podcast. This fall, I'm doing a series of podcasts called Boy Crazy, which will include some interviews and conversations with some men in my life who are phenomenal um, fathers, teachers, writers, human beings, and just really highlighting the amazing um, work that they do in the world. So I hope you'll stay um, and listen to the whole series where you'll meet a bunch of really awesome guys that I have the pleasure of knowing. So enjoy. Okay. Hi, everyone. Today on the podcast, I have an old friend who I haven't talked to in a long time, but who I'm totally obsessed with, (laughs) Josh Courage. Josh, do you remember back in the day, we taught a class together? Uh, Yeah, actually, I vividly remember it because it's still, to this day, one of my favorite classes I've ever been a part of. Oh my God, it was so fun. (laughs) It was called Tough Love, and it was brilliant because you started with, like, what was that, like 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes of CrossFit-y stuff. Um, and that was at the beginning of the CrossFit craze and I did like 30 to 45 minutes of relaxing yoga. Yeah, it was wonderful. And I will say before anything else gets going that I think after a while, I think you had a bunch of stuff come up and you weren't able to make it there. And we ended up trying like four different instructors and it was never the same. It was never even remotely the same. The energy balance, just nobody could quite get it. So there was something unique about you and me doing it. I yes. It really made that class special. I agree. And I think it's also part of why I wanted to talk to you today was, so here's, I saw a bunch of these, and we're still friends on social. And so I'm going to read to you something that you wrote that made me say, okay, I need to get Josh on the podcast and chat. So you said, I can't even begin to tell you the amount of times I've just wanted to phone it in as a dad these past few months. The continued struggles with trying to get my health in check, along with a busy summer in the gym, and being a mostly stay-at-home dad with an 11-month-old have really tested me. How easy would it be to just plop her in front of the TV or iPad or phone while I took some me time? And who would blame me? Being a parent is tough, especially when there's a lot going on outside of these du- those duties. But how many moments would be missed by both of us? How many of those subtle facial expressions, realizations, noises, glances over at her daddy to see if he's still there with her? Every second of her life, she's just soaking up new information. And so, so much of that is through observing her dad and mom. My time with her is the most important thing in her life right now. And if I chose to distract her from any opportunities to grow and develop, just so I can have a pity party for myself. Well, I would definitely not be the best dad I could be. I'm so lucky to have this curious little girl in my life to take our time together for granted would be the biggest insult I could give to her and to me. I love being a dad. Oh, it just made me cry, but I love it. Okay. So talk to me about this stage, this writing and what, what your message is there. Well, I'm happy we're on video right now because I pretty much started crying too. Uh, <laughs> I, I have never, I have never had anything I've ever posted read back to me, ever. Mm. That's that was if 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 that if I if other people feel even a hint of what I feel right now, <laughs> then I'm going to keep doing that for the rest of my life because that's been my purpose since I was a kid is just to share 
my deep feelings with people and I that oh my god I've never had anything right back to me that's really mm-hmm. powerful I was really cool oh my god um <laughs> so share what I was going through so I'm I'm going through I make this as short as possible a lot of really crazy health stuff it's it's I'm on my over the past four years I'm on my sixth doctor um I'm apparently I'm a bit of an anomaly um nobody can quite figure out how to how to help and mm-hmm. it's just been this gradual but it seems in my in my my head it seems really rapid just just deterioration of 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 me of someone who's been a very very high performer athletically mentally i've just done so many crazy awesome wonderful challenging things in my life and and my body's just failing me Mm -hmm. and it's really 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 hard it's been incredibly incredibly challenging um and yet I've never felt as though I've taken a, a sort of psychological break from being a husband and being a coach of my gym and now being a father, because in my head, the, the immediate logical response to feeling like crap or feeling super depressed is it doesn't affect other people. Mm-hmm. So, so no matter how bad I feel, that shouldn't affect my wife. It shouldn't affect my kid. It shouldn't affect my clients, my, my, my members. Um, it shouldn't affect my employees. It shouldn't affect all those people because it's my crap. It's my issue. And the second I start letting it affect other people, then is 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 your audience cool with me cursing? Yeah, of course. Okay, then if the second I start doing that, then I'm not just a depressed person. I'm an asshole. And and I think there can be a difference between being depressed and going through a hard time and being an asshole. And and that's sort of my approach to stuff. So whenever, whenever I see my wife or I see my daughter or I see my clients or I see my members, I'm reminded that they are not my problem. Mm-hmm. I'm my problem. And it's, it's obviously super, super hard, but um, I texted you earlier today that I had this big realization uh, a couple of days ago in talking to a, a client of mine, actually, that through, through sort of years of practice in mind over body and mind over matter that's such a common thing that people talk about mm-hmm. i think i've touched into a, a way to not let my physical ailments and you know hormonal ailments and even psychological ailments you know directly affect other people in a negative way um so that's that's a broad big thing i know i could just go on a massive tangent and talk for hours about it but well, um, what did that mean? Like what in your realization when you were talking to your client, what was that like? And can you go into any sort of specifics about that? Yeah. So I, I feel as though for my entire life, at least for as long as I can remember, I've always been fascinated by how I've been able to feel a difference between my mind and my body. So, mm-hmm. you know, even when I was a kid, you know, I, I know I would physically, I would physically experience something, but then my brain would process what I physically experienced. And I realized that I could, in some way, shape, or form, I could differentiate those two things. They weren't, they weren't necessarily, you know, connected completely and totally and sort of reliant on each other. Mm. And as I grew up, I started to challenge that. I wanted to see what I could mentally overcome. And it always was way more than I could physically overcome. So whenever my body started to fail, my mind would keep going forever. That's this incredibly common mindset. People always Mm -hmm. say that all the time. Your your mind is in control of everything. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to challenge that and I wanted to push that. So I always did. And I think that practice Mm -hmm. has led me to the point where I can be a depressed person and not treat other people like shit all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I, and I, for a while, I, I, I never understood why when someone was depressed, they, they would just walk around with this like dark cloud around them and just treat mm-hmm. people so badly. Mm-hmm. And the more I sort of sunk into a depression, I, I got hints of, oh, I could do that. <laughs> I totally could like just snap on somebody or, or yell at my wife because she's right there all the time and she's a loving, caring, wonderful person who's in my mm-hmm. life. So it's so comfortable. I could totally just snap on her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or I could just disregard my kid because, you know, you know, she's fine playing with her little toy right now. I can just mm-hmm. go and distract myself with some other stuff. And I, 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 can, I always get that little twinge, that little hint, that little fleeting moment of, oh, I could do that because that's what everybody does. But I'm reminded through, through I guess, self-practice my whole life that that's, that's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary to, to bring other people into my darkness. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make me feel any better. It actually just makes me feel even worse, especially if I affect my wife and kid. Holy crap, that'd be so bad. Yeah. So, so that, that's a process that's like endlessly playing in my head, uh, you know, because I'm constantly feeling like crap, but I'm constantly seeing these cool light things in front of me. And I, and I can see how that would be a very, very challenging thing for most people. And mm-hmm. even someone like myself who's practicing this stuff is still really challenging. But it's, it's, it's something that I have to constantly go over in my head. And it's a great practice. <laughs> it's a great practice. Even if you're not depressed, it's a great practice to always remind yourself that the things outside of your life don't need to be brought into your crappiness. You know, like... Into your relationships? Yeah, keep them in their own light. My, my, my child is just this beaming beacon of light and happiness mm-hmm. and joy and curiosity and awesomeness and, mm-hmm. and struggle and, and challenge and all this cool stuff. And that's, it's such a bright light that she has mm-hmm. and she needs to stay in that. Mm-hmm. And my job as a father, in my opinion, is to allow that to be, you know, allow that to be as strong as it possibly could be. And the second I bring my darkness into her, then she starts that, I start to dim that light. I like this little metaphor. It starts to dim that light quite a bit. Yeah. And that's super unfair. That's super unfair to her. And honestly, her light is going to help light up my darkness. Of course. So, so you know, in a way, I I can take advantage of that and, and feed off of that. So, I think you know, people are people tend to be super super selfish about how they're feeling, and they want other people to feel the same way. And that never ever ever works. It never works. <laughs> you know, it just it just works in making other people feel like crap and you feeling crappier. So it's just well, not what is your, like, what's your depression look like then? If it's not a dark cloud and a, like so obvious to other people, what, how is it manifesting? How is it, how is it in your life? What does that look like? I don't, that's such a great question. I don't know. I don't know because everybody always describes depression as, you know, very, very similar. Like they, you know, they can't get out of bed or they can't get mm-hmm. themselves to do anything or they, there is a super dark cloud or, and I, I, I do, I feel all those things. Like, I don't want to get out of bed and I don't mm-hmm. want to go be a motivational person to all my members and clients. And I don't want to, you know, be this happy, giggly, laughing, fun father because I just don't feel like putting forth that sort of energy. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like, you know, smiling at my wife and giving her a big hug. I just feel like being like, ah, screw you, get out of my way, get out of my way. I, I feel those things. I just don't act on them. I, I, I don't, I know, I know it's, I make it, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it, I honestly, Pleasance, I, I can't, I can't, this is my biggest struggle right now is defining mm-hmm. 
what depression is to me because mm -hmm. I feel like so many people define depression based on what everybody defines depression as. Uh -huh. And it's, it's so uniquely personal and it's, and it's emotional and it's so hard to define emotion. You know, like, yeah. can you define love? I mean, you could probably <clears throat> through practice say a couple of things, but it's, it's such a personal feeling yeah. that comes and goes and is high and low and it's fleeting and it's gone and all that different stuff. And so I have a really hard time sort of defining that. And I think this is both a positive and negative. I, this was what I was talking about yesterday. It's, it's positive because I, I'm very proud of my unique abilities to handle mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. But it also makes it really, really hard to take care of things. You know, I mean, this is why doctors look at me and they're like, well, you're fine. Mm -hmm. We don't need to, you know, you're, you're a big, happy, fit guy who seems to have a good family and seems, so everything's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it's not. It's not fine. Mm -hmm. It's really not fine. And I think, I think what it is is that everything I do is way harder. It's way harder. It's not just easy for me to show up at the gym and be a movie guy. Got it. Guy, yep. And it used to be. Easy. Yep. Super easy. Yep. And I loved it. I look forward yep. to it. And I do not look forward to it. It's not, yeah. it, when, I'm with, when I'm with my child, it's super easy to be a, you know, you know, alert, aware father. But when I'm not with her, it's like the most intimidating thing to know she's going to wake up from the nap in, you know, 45 minutes from now. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have to be there for her. And, it, and my, my wife's going to be busy on a couple phone calls. And it's 100% mm -hmm. just me and her for the next like four hours. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really intimidating right now to think about that. And it's scary. And I'm like worried about it. And I, I get anxious about it. And then I'll see her. And I know it's going to be amazing and fine and wonderful. Yeah. She brings you in the present moment. So yeah, yeah. That's what it sounds Maybe like too. Yeah. Is that there's yeah. like a spectrum, like a fluctuation of depression and anxiety, which they are very complementary and like cousins for so many of us. And I think that the, the thing that I've realized, especially the past few years with doing just a lot of deep dive work into mind body um, therapies and working with trauma and working with depression and anxiety clients and in students and in looking at my own history is that it's so less defined than it than it previously was and part of us bringing to light these changes i mean the the truth of what it means to be human and to feel our feelings and to have these experiences is that it's not black and white it's not binary it's not always something that um it's not always something that we can necessarily work with it's something that we yeah. can identify and name it right and say like yeah. this is what we're feeling today i'm really right. curious about how do you think your daughter's name is adele right yeah yeah how do you think you'll talk about you'll talk to adele about this in the future because mm -hmm. there's this shift in parenting um you know i think just in my own experience and, and my friends and students, a lot of the generations before us did not have their own reflections and contemplative practices that were so um, in touch with their emotions the way that we are. And yeah. this Brene Brown's work and bringing vulnerability and authenticity into mainstream communication and dialogue and families and organizations, our conversations with our children are probably going to be very different around some of these quote unquote 
struggles or challenges, I think it's just part of being human, right? Yeah, there's I like agree. We, I totally agree with you. we all have different ways, entry points to depression and anxiety spectrums, but at some point it's part of being human. So like, I know how I've been talking now that Sailor is 11, I can have, um, better conversations with her, more honest conversations with her about some childhood stuff than I have in the past. But have you thought at all about how you'll talk with Adele? I think about it all the time. I'm mm -hmm. really curious how it will end up actually being. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in a family where my, my mom was very, very open about stuff um, and was very good about talking about, sort of asking how he felt um, and allowing us the, the freedom to sort of talk about how he felt. My father, was very was much more closed off than that. It was it made him very uncomfortable. It was very challenging for him. Mm. And I I believe I think you were touching on this. I believe that you know as human beings experience so much and to have a limitation on on what we're supposed to or not supposed to talk about just seems kind of closed minded and ignorant to me. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's no reason to not talk about stuff. You know, and the reason people don't talk about stuff is because they might be uncomfortable. They might be unsure. They might lack confidence. They might be scary. But in the, but if you allow, right, for me, right, if I allow Adele to feel, if for her entire life, she's surrounded by people talking about anything, you know, talking about their emotions, talking about their feelings, talking about their fears, talking about their uh, joys, then she'll, she'll be more prone to being able to talk about that as well, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so that's sort of my approach. My approach is that I'm going to talk about this stuff. I'm not ashamed to be, you know, a, a big muscular dude who talks about emotions and, and, and crying and depression and mm -hmm. you know holistic health and i'm not i'm not i'm not afraid to talk about that sort of stuff so hopefully that would mean adele would grow up mm -hmm. not, you know not feeling like she's limited in terms of what she's allowed to talk about you know so you know when you were talking about that i just visualized taking adele out to the woods and saying how are you doing how, mm -hmm. how are you feeling what's going on how was school today the, you know what did what, what did what happened did, did anybody yell at you did you yell at anybody you know <laughs> just let's mm -hmm. let's talk let's talk and that's that's my that's my place to go when when I'm trying to work through things is find some trees, find some nature, find some forest, and walk around. And I've taken Adele out there a lot already, so I think that's gonna be that's gonna be our process. <laughs> yeah, is nature part of your healing, like being in the oh woods? Oh my god, and being it outside? is yeah. the number one source of of yeah. of healing in my life. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's. Has it always been? Know, think, uh, to my knowledge, yes. You know, mm -hmm. I. I connect connect to the most natural of things and, and the forest is you know untouched untouched nature is to me one of the most natural things which allows people to connect so it puts me in a, in a mindset where i'm able to connect you know that's why pleasance back when we did our, our tough love thing my my lululemon ambassador photos were in, out in the middle of rock creek park in washington dc mm -hmm. you know, push-ups over over the creek so mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you so you said your mom was the one who sort of talked about her feelings and your dad was not as much is it what is your dad a therapist no no my ironically <laughs> enough my dad used to run he's a businessman he used to run a psychiatric hospital that's so, what it was got it yeah so <laughs> the, the sort of the irony of that he was also like this hardcore you know he's a green beret in vietnam and he's a really hardcore dude and mm. uh and he's he's always just been a little close. I mean, we were just talking about this the other day with uh, you know talking to Adele about sex. Mm -hmm. my, I mean, my dad my dad would like change the channel if there was a, someone kissing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. a super taboo, super mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Oh god, oh god, oh god, you know that sort of thing. And um, you know, I I didn't I didn't like that. I I just felt wrong. You know, we mm-hmm. should talk about that sort of thing. Like that's mm-hmm. important. It's it's inevitable in Adele's life. She's going to have experiences. And I I don't necessarily want to be fully involved in those experiences, but at the same time, I don't <laughs> want her to. <laughs> right, I, but I don't want no. her to fear. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, but I don't want her to fear talking about them. Right, you know, like she's conversation. Gonna, yeah, she's gonna have crummy experiences, and her parents should be there to to help her through things if that's what she wants in that time. So, so I I want her to feel comfortable around me, around my wife, and I want her to you know I want her to be able to talk about those things. So, where do you feel like you got this sense, this like really grounded, rooted? mind body connection holistic health being open feelings like where does this come from inside of you is it from your mom your mom passed away right yeah she yeah. Uh, in 2008 yeah so i mean a while ago and yeah. i was i don't even know what how old i was then i was 9, 11 years ago so i was 26 yeah. um 25 25 something like that um i don't know pleasant i don't know i I mean, right, she was open-ish, and but not like this. And mm-hmm. I, for years, actually for years, I, before my health stuff, I think my source of quote-unquote depression, or like, I think my depression was confusion. You know, I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know what, I, I didn't know where my place was, and I think that was because I didn't, I was, I felt very different than the people I hung out with. Right, I was a professional mm-hmm. baseball player. I hung out with pro athletes, and I got got into CrossFit and you know, started opening a gym, like the people I hung out with weren't people that would sit there and talk about emotions and talk about, you know, meditation and talk about, you know, connecting to nature and Mm -hmm. wavelengths of vibrations of human energy and all that sort of, they didn't talk about that crap because that was not cool. And I always felt that stuff, always, always, always. And I don't, Hmm. I think always searching for where it came from got me more and more confused. And in the end, I sort of, I sort of submitted to the idea that this is this is who I am. Who I am. I I'm I will openly embrace the gift that I have <laughs> to be to be this way, and mm-hmm. and, and I I genuinely feel it's a gift. I think you know uh, the yeah. last part of the conversation I was having with my client the other day with this sort of stuff is that I, I'm I'm not going to be ashamed to op- again talking about anything. I'm not going to be ashamed also to talk about that this is a gift that I have and I have a gift to feel this way, to, to be open to my emotions, to be self-honest. And I need to take advantage of that because I know it's really hard for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I, I never talked about it because I felt like I was being a punk. I felt like I was being a kind of a, a cocky guy, like, well, yeah, I can do this. It's too cool. You know? Mm-hmm. And, but at the same, what I've found is the more I talk about it, the more I think it helps other people feel comfortable doing the same thing. And so I, I, I try to just be, I, I, I don't know where it came from. I don't, I mean, I know there was a piece of it with my mom. I know I, I, it just, it just kind of came naturally to me. I knew what I wanted to do with my life when I was, when I was in like seventh grade. My, I was, it was always do, do, challenge myself and do crazy things and inspire other people to do the same. And that is still, <laughs> to this day, that is still the basis of what I do. Is mm-hmm. I, I, I'll always put myself out there and I'll always try to bring people with me. Yeah. And that's, that's, I've, I've, I've known that since I was 13 years old. So when you were in these CrossFit gyms and with the professional athletes, but you were feeling different, where did you go 
like, was it books or did you go to a meditation or did you have a friend or a mentor? Like, where did you go to find that inside of you? Or did you just kind of push it away and in the community? Like, what was that relationship like? Um, so I think it always, it actually, interestingly enough, it manifested as being able to connect with everyone. So it, mm -hmm. it never, it never luckily, right. I, you know, this is again, a, it, I was so lucky that it didn't manifest in me being like this weird cuckoo dude in the corner of my clubhouse. Mm -hmm. you know, like it, it ultimately allowed me, I was like the clubhouse guy. Like I was friends with you know, the, Everybody. the Southern dudes and I was friends with the Latino dudes and I was friends yeah. with the, you know, the Brooklyn dudes. I, I just, there was always this really very strict, uh, you know, clicks in a, in a clubhouse with, with, with baseball. And I sort of seamlessly worked with them all, you know, mm -hmm. it, it just kind of people connected to me. Um, mm -hmm. Now from my own standpoint, you know, I tell my wife this all the time is I don't feel like I have a super deep connecting connection with other people. Mm -hmm. I feel like people have a super deep connection with me, mm -hmm. but I sometimes feel like I lack a super deep connection with others. Mm -hmm. And, and that's always sort of been the case. So, you know, throughout the year, even, even to this day, it's, it's very similar. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I found the places where I feel I can connect nature, nature. I connect immensely. Nature is the ultimate connector in my mind. So, you know, it's, it's so even back then I would just go out to the woods and walk around and go run or climb a tree or something like that. Now that, that would always bring me back if I was feeling lost in any possible way. But, um, and then, you know, there's always people out there where you can have tidbits of conversation that are super, super deep, you know, like, you know, with you and I have tons and tons of people in random different realms of my life that I'm able to sort of deep dive with stuff. So, so it's always existed. And I've just sort of take advantage of those moments when I can have them. Yeah, I, I definitely relate to that. And that sort of that connection piece to other humans, especially I think when you're not afraid of um, talking about real topics in an honest way and not always just, you know, the yoga world is all about the love and light. And sometimes it's not all love. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's, that's, yeah, that's very true. You know, being able to kind of go there. How does this... Um, how do you work with this in your marriage and how does your wife work with your um, depression and approach to sort of connection? Oh. Um, my wife and I are very different. Uh, she's not mm -hmm. like this at all. Mm -hmm. um, and in all honesty, if there's like the, the, the sole source of conflict in, in us is the, is the difference in this sort of stuff. Like she's, mm -hmm she does not like deep diving and I just, I could deep dive for hours. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's what makes us work. Honestly, is that mm -hmm. if I was married to someone like this, we would be, you know, we would never, we'd be up in a tree talking for seven days straight. And we're like, what the hell just happened? Where'd our life go? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she, she, she very much grounds me. And then I, I supply for her a, a, a more, more insight into emotion and, you know, help work through things that maybe she wasn't, you know, didn't learn growing up uh, emotionally. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's so fascinating to me. I, I think the process of, of having a child with, with, with uh, my wife has been, I just can't comprehend. Uh, I can't even put it to words. I can't comprehend what women go through. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I cannot rationally comprehend how insane it is that 
women go through pregnancy, okay, growing a child. And, and so the woman in my life who, who grew a child inside of her and then that child came out and is this amazing bucket of light. My wife did that. My wife did that. Mm-hmm. I didn't do crap. I just sat there and was and tried to be as helpful as possible because God forbid I'm not that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and our relationship was really, really good. Uh, you know, we, mm-hmm. knowing me, I, you know, we had all sorts of arguments and discussions and conflicts and everything like that. But I, in my opinion, in her opinion, I think our relationship was really, really good all the way up until Adele was born. And now it's a totally mm-hmm. different, at a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And I just look at Lindsay like she's a, freaking goddess it's just mm-hmm. insane I, and we we still we still have arguments and we still have issues and we still have problems especially with me going through all the crap i'm going through mm-hmm. and right her being the type of person she is she doesn't really know how to take care of me because i'm guessing i'm a pretty damn hard person to take care of when it comes to emotional stuff yeah. <laughs> um and when if you're not super emotionally you know it, it, you know she's not educated in emotional stuff you know it's mm-hmm. not stuff that comes supernaturally to her so she just kind of looks at me and says i don't know what to do when i say i know i'm so sorry i mm-hmm. i wish i could help with that you know just just give me a hug and mm-hmm. you know that's it <laughs> you know we'll, we'll figure this out um but i don't i don't know pleasance i don't i don't i can't look at her after all that stuff and expect anything more from her <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't understand, you know, like, like I start to realize these, these, these human differences of men and women of like, a man doesn't go through pregnancy and birth mm-hmm. and a man doesn't have that similar relationship with their child. And it, it started to redefine what I, what I think a man should be, you know, a, a man should be strong and protective and take care of his wife. A man should be strong and protective and take care of his children. And that doesn't mean be a big, burly aggressor. It means mm-hmm. to love and care for and make them safe because mm-hmm. they go through such insane processes that a guy can't comprehend. And, and because of that, I just don't, I don't think I have very many expectations for her. She, she, made, a, she made a human being. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else I could ask, you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then she loves me. She loves me too. So like, it, that's really cool. So she made a human being. She went through the <laughs> insane process where her entire body changed, her emotions changed, her hormones changed, you know, a, a, a human came out of her and then she's expected to instantaneously be recovered and take care of this person while her entire body has been completely destroyed from the inside out. Right. Really, in all honesty, what should I expect from her? You know, but she still like loves me and cares for me and asks me how I'm doing. Like, that's, that's more than enough. That's more than enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, seriously. And then we hope to have another kid so she can go through that whole entire thing again. Like, you've been through that stuff a couple times. That's insane. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, the, yeah, right? So, yeah. that is also a perspective I have with my depression and my issues, mm-hmm. right? My issues will, no matter how crummy I'm feeling, right? If, if, like, no matter how many depressed I am, I still haven't gone through, like, arguably the hardest thing a human being could ever go through. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of cliche to talk about, or I, I feel like it's kind of, well, you haven't given birth. But it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. And I harp on this like crazy because I know a lot of guys who just don't care, who don't care. 
You know, they're, they, they're like, oh, my kid was born and I, there's nothing I could do. The kid didn't care about me. So I just went to work. And I didn't care. I just left. What do you well, say about, to them? Yeah. How do you deal with that? I, I say, well, you could, you could cook food for your wife. You could be there and help her. You could go run errands for her. She's going to go through all sorts of crazy ups and downs. So I need to do that. Like, yes, you're right. You, you can't necessarily do all the things your wife can do for the first six months her baby's born, but you can do a ton of stuff for her, her wife. So... How do they respond to that? Do they, do they They take it? They get get mad at me. Yeah. It's the same way when I say I don't, we don't let Adele watch TV or, or, you know, Adele just turned one two weeks ago and we didn't give her cake. And people are like, what? You didn't give her cake? That's stupid. I'm like, well, we don't want to give her sugar when she still can't comprehend things. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm used to it. Like, I, you know, I know I'm, I, don't follow the same trends as other people and people get. And you're okay with that. And you feel com- like you have enough self-confidence or self-worth or value or something at the root that doesn't make that then trigger like a less than, or a let me get in with the crowd or, you know, I think no, it's, it's really it's, important to say yeah. these, these different ways of raising kids and different way of parenting as a father, as a man because they're not part of status quo. And what's really important as we have things like this, like podcasts and conversations and stories is that we get to highlight other ways that people are living that feel good and in alignment to them because part of the dis-ease of the mind and body in our world is sheep mentality, herd mentality, group think. And it's not making people happy, right? They're isolating with their Netflix or isolating with Amazon prime, they're isolating with Facebook groups and thinking, I I don't know. I don't know. And so part of this healing is knowing who you are. And even if there's pain and suffering in there, which there will be, if you're human and sharing, like, here's what we believe and here's what I value. And it doesn't mean that the people, these guys that you're talking to are bad people. You're not shaming them. You're not putting them down. You're just saying, Hey, there actually are some cool things you could do to help out. <laughs> you know? Right. Yep. No, it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge for every yeah. human being alive. Uh, you know, you, it's a challenge to be, to have a strong opinion on something. Mm. You know, it's, I think that's, that's something that, it's very rare for that to happen. I mean, what's what? You, what's mm-hmm. your question you ask when when you want somebody on your podcast? What's the one main question you ask when you, want, when you have somebody on your podcast? It's is there something you don't want to talk about, mm-hmm. right? And I think people don't want to talk about things that they're scared to share. Yeah, they're insecure to share. They yeah. they're scared of people's reaction. They're scared of people's opinions about them. You know, for mm-hmm. me, I don't care. We'll talk about anything. If you want to yeah. talk about, it, I'll talk about it. I don't, I don't care. Um, there's some things I might not like intentionally bring up because totally. I don't feel like it. Totally. And and I definitely and I definitely do have fears of what people are going to think about me. I mean, of man, course. there are so many things I want to say publicly and throw out onto social media, and <laughs> and like you know, just declare aggressively and all this other stuff. But I don't feel like dealing with the backlash of it. I just don't feel like dealing with it. You know, so your question, your first yeah. question on that was, you know, if I, if I say those sort of things, um, do I feel, I forget exactly what you said, but I don't feel badly acting on things that I believe in. Mm-hmm. What I, the, the, honestly, the biggest yeah. issue yeah. I have is coming, is coming across as pretentious. 
I don't like coming across as pretentious. I don't think I'm pretentious. And I know that having a strong opinion about something can sometimes make you yeah. seem pretentious. Yeah. That's like the right? shadow side of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if, if I think that's the number one thing I struggle with, honestly, like I don't, I mean, and sometimes I don't share that. Like I don't sit there and say my thoughts on kids watching TV because I don't, yeah. I don't have my kid watch TV. I, because I have strong opinions about that sort of stuff. If I share my opinion about it, then I become this, you know, anti TV, TV's bad. It's going to rot your kid's brain, blah, blah, blah. Right. Then people think that that's where I'm going with it. And then it becomes this, that's not where I'm going with it. You know, it's just, it's just more of a natural development thing. So, and a distraction thing. So like, I definitely avoid a certain, I tend to avoid certain things in situations because I don't want to come across as pretentious. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's a self-conscious thing. That's, you know, that's an insecurity mm-hmm. that I have. So, and also when I'm, I guess, oh, here, to go back to, uh, um, like, what is defining my, my depression, I, I act on those things more, meaning I don't speak out more when I'm feeling super depressed. Mm. Because I'm, and I'm feeling that, I'm feeling those insecurities stronger. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll be quieter and I'll, 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 mm-hmm. I'll share a little bit less and, you know, so on and so forth. I was a little bit scared about coming on this because on this podcast, because I was nervous, I wouldn't feel confident sharing. But in classic Josh Courage way, the second I start talking, <laughs> that, that wall comes down and yeah. it's, it's fine. It's fine. So that's all I need to do is just start talking. I always say the best pre-workout is to start your workout. And right. the, best way to, the best way to, you know, to get to talking to someone is just start talking. Absolutely. And then see how it is. It's like, take the action, take a little bit of action. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. What do you do? So talk a little bit about your gym and your training work. And I'm sort of assuming that your workouts are part of your self-care, but if you can layer in sort of what your life is like with the business, with the gym, and then with how you take care of yourself. Um, so the workouts have always been part of my self-care, but ultimately I, I think the way I approach workouts have been part of my downfall too. Mm. Um, right. Cause I used workouts as not for a long time, like in my twenties, my workouts were, were, were challenges were, were mm-hmm. what can I, what am I capable of doing physically and mentally? Mm-hmm. And ultimately I think that has a lot to do with where I am now health wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the knowledge I have today. I did not have the team around me I, I have today. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. didn't have the connections I have in the, in the fitness world. And I made a lot of ignorance assumptions about what my body could handle. And ultimately, my, my, you know, I didn't die, but I think it, it, it brought me down. So now my workouts are, are, are not on a plan, not on any sort of mm. detailed structure or anything like that. They're purely mm-hmm. just when I have the time and when I feel, the, and when I feel inspired or have the energy, I'm going to jump in and do something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more to that to unpack that, you know, there's a lot to that. And, okay. and I, that's another thing I could talk for hours about <laughs> because that's, well, that's my expertise. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's my main expertise. So, mm-hmm. so I, so I also struggle with that immensely. Like I, I've, I've always sort mm-hmm. of a piece of my identity has been exercise and fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't do it. I don't do it even remotely as much as I have before. And, mm-hmm. and I struggle with that quite a bit. Um, performance, my performance is down, you know, so, and, and I struggle with that too, right? There's, there's so many things mm-hmm. I could be doing that I know I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of balance, I guess in a way it kind of helps because I don't, 
they don't insist that I'm working out for two hours a day. So I have those two hours to do other things. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't, I, I think the, the, the struggle for balance has been um, my, you know, my mind, I want to do 50 different things. You know, before you started recording, you said, you know, you have right. The second somebody says, how are you? You have mm-hmm. like 800 different things that pop up about, Oh, right. That's right. That's how I am with work. That's how I am with family. That's how I am with everything. There's, I have 50 billion different things I want to be doing simultaneously. And I can't do that. You know, five years ago, you know, six years ago, I wasn't married. I, you know, I was with my, my now wife, but I wasn't married. I didn't have a kid. My life was my gym. So I could sort of take on all of these different challenges and things and ideas that I wanted to do to grow my business. Now I don't have that time. So I just have to focus on one or two things, which ultimately makes my business better because mm-hmm. focusing on 50 different things never works. So weirdly, the, the less time I have to focus on this stuff, the, the, it's it's almost like the better my business is is doing um and it's i mean it's not i mean i don't have some sort of booming industry or anything like that i have a tiny little tiny little gym where i train a bunch of people and have a few classes and but it's doing very well and i'm happy with it so mm-hmm. and i and i guess the you know i'm just my this is, a, this is totally the wrong word the distraction of my kid and family means i don't sit around obsessing about making my gym bigger Mm-hmm. You know, I can just totally, I'm, I'm totally, so, yeah, I'm, yes, yeah. I'm happy with it because I'm because because I'm fulfilled with 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 my family, so I, I don't have these empty spaces to try to fill in with you know more members and more more clients. <laughs> so yeah, that's been very helpful. And especially if there's not, if like you're going through physical, so I just similarly like there's been a lot of changes in the yoga world in the past 10 years and I've moved pretty far away from it. Um, just in terms of what is seen at like a core power or yoga works or something, I'm much more interested in philosophy and meditation and breath work and sort of, again, how does this integrate into our relationships, into our relationship to self, to others, to our community as a yoga practice. And so, Um, I find that my mind is not at ease when I have endless amounts of times to think about that part of my business or my interest or my life because it is changing and there's some areas that are out of alignment with modern yoga versus what I sort of teach and work with. And so I think that having these other interests and family helps me stay in that more grounded (laughs) sort of rooted place, right? Like, okay, this is what I can offer this week. And now I'm going to go make dinner, right? Instead of just endless time to, should I teach at this place? But I don't like that. You know, I don't like all the other vinyasa classes. Will I fit in here? What should I call it? It's not really yoga. Should I say namaste? That feels like appropriate. I mean, it's so much. (laughs) And I think we're in our head a lot and we care so much about our work that, you know, like you having physical issues or or challenges right now and not being able to fully work out while you're training, I can imagine that would, you know, create a lot of, you know, what's the purpose? What's the meaning? Those sort of bigger questions I think you and I are always wrestling with individually. And then when we get together, we get to ask each other that personally. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yep. I mean, what's that? It's sort of age old, like, you know, when you're busy, you're more efficient with stuff. When you're, yeah. when you have more time in your hands, you're less efficient with stuff, you know, because you, you have to manage your time so much more. So yeah, 
right? I mean, even with, with in, from my mindset of scheduling this, like if I, if I didn't have a kid right now, and I, I, I would almost guarantee that scheduling this podcast would have taken me months because I wouldn't have committed mm-hmm. to anything because I have so many other things going on. But now I have to, I'm like, oh, nope, I have this amount of time. I have these days. I can do it right now. And that was going down for a nap at this time. So I can, I, you know, so it's, it becomes so much more efficient. I can manage it so much easier. So it takes care of all my, my, you know, my wandering thoughts and crazy, yeah. crazy mind. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I, I, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just thinking about um, that, you know, aside from the, so before Adele was born, I, I actually, I almost quit the gym. I almost joined the military and, and followed in my father's footsteps. I, I, mm-hmm. I felt as though with my mindset, I had, I, I had a greater calling than, than just training some people here and there. And I knew I was, you know, affecting positive change, and, but there was clearly a huge void and I was, I, I couldn't figure out exactly where I belonged and what, what I was supposed to do. And, and ultimately I had a child and it's fatherhood, like fatherhood fills mm-hmm. that void utterly and completely. And, for, for the first bit of having, you know, the first six months or so, my, my mindset was, oh, fatherhood is what all men should be able to, you know, should be lucky enough to have. And I realized that that was actually a very selfish statement to make, that that's not, mm-hmm. right, everybody's different. Every, that's not necessarily what's going to fill the void for all people. I just, uh, mm-hmm. it's something I right. try to make sure I, when people are sort of trying to figure out what they should do for their lives, again, as we talked about before too, it, it's always a personalized thing, like, I thrive in fatherhood. I love being a father. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's me. That's right. That that's, was the thing you that, needed. Yep, yeah. Yep, yeah. That was exactly what I needed. And I know, you know, that's not for other people. I, I, I met someone not too long ago who had a kid and they said it was, I, I mean, they, they, their kid was now actually grown up and they said it was the hardest thing they've ever dealt with in the sense mm-hmm. of they didn't want, they, they didn't, this wasn't for them. They didn't know mm-hmm. what to do. It was confusing. Mm-hmm. It was just chaotic the whole time. They felt like they were failing all the time. And they didn't thrive, and they felt really bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were thankful it happened ultimately because it's such an amazing experience. But you know, I I think if they had that opportunity again, they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't mm-hmm. have done it because it ultimately caused way too much pain and difficulty in their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's really interesting to me. Right. So everyone gets to have their own way that they're that they're feeling that meaning and purpose you're not trying to say this is the way this is just like been a real relief for you to find this meaning and purpose in fatherhood yeah yeah totally yep yep. you know um what tell me about badass dads (laughs) um okay that that was another one of my 500 things i was like oh this is a cool idea i'm gonna like do this and it's gonna like generate a cool community of like Mm-hmm. of dads and we're going to create apparel and I have a little, you know, I, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. I do that on a daily basis. Like yes. Five Cre- times, so. yes. <laughs> create new ideas oh, of businesses yep. and yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Same, same. And then my wife says, why don't you follow through on one of them? Yeah. How's that uh-huh. like, yeah that's probably a better idea. Okay. Um, so badass dads was basically initially that's what it was. I, I, mm-hmm. I, it was stemmed off of a conversation when I first moved out to San Francisco, uh, the Bay Area, not in San Francisco, but in the Bay Area, I met, I, I was with a, I was with a girl who, um, we weren't dating, but we were, like, went out to dinner or something like that, and her friend was there, and her friend was like this holistic mindfulness, similar to you, you know, she had a very similar sort of, and, and her client base was, she was sort of talking to me, like, how could she tap into a more male client base, 
because mm-hmm. her client base was very female. And yeah. this is you know, very cliche San Francisco is, you know, your, your Birkenstock wearing, you know, just as cliche as you could ever imagine when it comes to this sort of stuff. And we got to talking about it because I'm like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I don't look like that. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily even act like that, but I'm very much like that. Mm-hmm. And I came up with this idea of holistically hardcore. Mm-hmm. And right, because holistic is it's it's when people hear the word, they think, you know, they think very, you know, um, like crunchy and, and mm-hmm. hippie and all this other stuff. But it's not. It just means holistic. It just means everything. It's all encompassing. So, so I was trying to find a way. How can we tap into a more masculine market for that sort of thing and allow people to, you know, not feel like it's just for women. Um, so anyway, that that's that was a sort of I've always had a mindset of that like how can I how can I bring more people who look like me into the world of mindfulness um and how can I make the world of mindfulness not so one track mm-hmm. that it seems like it tends to be mm-hmm. and so that the idea of badass dads was that of like you can be a you know a, a dude a cliche dude and have muscle and you know, like to lift weights and like to yell and scream in the gym and throw things around and, you know, and, and enjoy that sort of thing, but also like be a really good, loving, caring, emotional father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it doesn't, they're, they're, those Not aren't two choice. separate things. Yeah. 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 That, that's, the, that's a phrase I never actually remember. Um, so the idea of badass dads was to attract the, the, the hardcore dude into the, the loving, caring world of fatherhood. You know, and uh, and that's where the idea came from. So I obviously, you know, started the Instagram thing because it's free and you can do it. And mm-hmm. as with most of my ideas, it hasn't really, I haven't like really followed through on it. Mm-hmm. But it's become a it's become a venue, I guess, for me to sort of express like the thing that you read, which I don't think was on that site. I think it was on my on my personal one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It sort of started off as that. That's where I'm going to put all that stuff. And I'm not only going to put all that stuff there, but I'm also going to find other dads yeah. who tend to break the cliche mold of dad bod, dad, you know, that sort of stuff, yeah. who really, really enjoy being fathers. Yeah. And I want to say, like, you can do both. Like, you can, yeah. you can be a cliche man while being also what a man should be, which is, you know, emotional and passionate and, and care and mm-hmm. caregiving. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's where that whole idea came from, I guess. There's a long story about where that came from. Well, I think it's, and now, uh, sorry, go ahead. Now I'm going to want to do it. Now I'm going to want to, now I'm going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to stop doing this. I'm going to be like, Oh man, I'm going to pursue that again. I'm totally on to it. <laughs> yeah. And creative entrepreneurial life is this, right? Is the ongoing <laughs> ebb and flow of the, all the ideas. Um, yeah. And I think it's so, I just like to close, I just, I really honor the work you're doing I really think that your voice and your story and the way that you approach fatherhood and your health and your relationships in your work is such an important um, story to share. I think it's an important, I think it's so important to have strong, caring men um, speaking in our world right now and speaking up for themselves and for their families and their partners. Um, and there's, you wrote this on the badass dads. I just want to read it to close is, um, 
redefining man. If you think being a man means driving trucks or fancy cars, talking down to women, drinking too much, neglecting your kids because work and watching the game and because that's like some emotional crap dudes don't do and all the other cliche, well, you aren't man enough to comment. I love showing my kid what it means to be a responsible and good person from cooking to cleaning, to working out, to talking face to face with people, to connecting to nature, to engaging with curiosity, to learn and and grow being a dad freaking rocks. And I just love it so much. Keep sharing your message. Is there anything you'd want to say in closing that you feel um, you'd want mostly women in our community, but hopefully they'll share this um, with their partners to hear Uh, your words of wisdom. Oh man. Oh, again, thank you. Reading it out loud, mm-hmm. man. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. I want to say thank you. Thank you for, for realizing you know, what you do is amazing. And you, I'm sure you inspire countless women and to realize that reaching out to men and connecting the men and women together in this sort of thing is, is so, so important. So, so important. Mm-hmm. Now I think that, I think it's important for men to, to, feel comfortable expressing themselves and feel comfortable being open and, and quote unquote being more feminine. And, you know, I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that is ultimately sort of happening underground outside of all this, the, the political noise. And I think ultimately the outcome of all the political noise is going to be probably be a more emotional, more grounded, um, more open man. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. I'm really, really excited for that. And it's our responsibility, especially if we have little daughters, to, to help, raise, uh, help raise women to, to feel comfortable around men, <laughs> you know, to feel yes. safe and comfortable around men. It's our responsibility as fathers. So I'm really happy that you're I'm, – I'm so thankful that you asked for me to be on this, and, and I hope that it helps in any possible way. And you've inspired me just in that last statement there before you read that thing um, to keep – keep keep my voice loud i'm i'm going to keep doing it i'm going to keep doing it because i know it's important and i and i appreciate you telling me and 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 confirming that what i'm doing <laughs> is the, is the right thing i really do appreciate it pleasant i really do keep writing i can't wait for the badass dad's book because you're such a clear writer and writing is such a good thing to do while raising kiddos. Like that's one of my mental health, you know, strategies, mental daily, mental hygiene. So I can't wait to read the book and we'll do like a book signing in DC when, when it's done. (laughs) I'm so down for that. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right, bud. Take care. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.